to be in God's presence, to lift our voices with those in heaven and sing of his greatness, of his love, of his grace and his mercy towards us, to be reminded of the cross, that we can come into God's presence because of all that Jesus has done for us. How unworthy we feel and yet clothed in righteousness because of our Saviour. What wonderful truths we've sung this morning, God. Thank you for reminding us. What more can we say that we love you? And we thank you, God, that you long to speak to us. You long in your word to teach us more of yourself. And we pray this morning that as our hearts are full of worship, we might be ready to listen to all that you want to say to us. And that we will go out different people because we've met with you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do sit down. Oh dear. Excuse me. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's moved um, this morning. Isn't God good? Isn't it good to be together in his presence? Well, I'd like to just add my welcome to Andy's. It's good to see you this morning. I'm just looking around. If you are visiting us this morning, then a special welcome uh, to you. My name's Kay. I know I'm a little bit of a wreck, but I am one of the ministers here. <laughs> um, and uh, I almost didn't get up to preach because I think Matthew did it, and we could all go home, couldn't we, really? Um, so we're very grateful to Matthew for setting the scene this morning, and also incredibly amazed that Andy didn't take the opportunity to boast that that was his son. <laughs> um, for those who are visiting us this morning, we are um, at the end of our series in Galatians. We've been looking at the book of Galatians, but don't worry, even though we're diving in at the end and you're kind of just joining us for that bit, um, you won't feel lost because um, really Paul just repeats the same message over and over again that he wants us to hear through Galatians, and this week is no different. Um, and uh, as Paul was writing, he got to the end of his letter, and Paul would have had a scribe. He'd have had somebody who would have been writing down everything that he said. But we get to these words at the end of his letter, and he says this, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hands. Paul has taken the, the pen from his scribe, and he wants to write this himself. It's a bit like Paul is writing the last little bit in massive capital letters, underlining it several times, because he's saying, this is so important. Please listen. If you've listened to nothing else, listen to this, because what I'm going to do is summarize everything I've already said. Uh, so we have that same challenge this morning, to ears open, let's listen to what God God wants to say to us and what Paul is saying to us this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, do turn um, to Galatians. We're in the very last chapter in uh, chapter 6 and verse 11. Uh, Galatians is in the New Testament, one of the letters that Paul wrote. And he says this, as I said, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me 
and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. Well, I discovered a new word this week, and it's humble bragger. (laughs) Humble bragger. It's thought that it's developed as a result of um, the challenges of social media, where bragging is commonplace. So anyone here who's on social media, I'm sure you get really fed up with it. But equally, I'm probably sure that at some time you've been guilty of it too because I think we probably all have. So here's an example if you're trying to imagine what a humble bragger might be. So imagine a person that's been invited to attend an exclusive charity event in recognition of all that they've done for that charity. Well, humble bragging on a social media feed might mean telling your friends about the invitation, but then at the same time complaining that you need a new outfit to wear. So I got invited to the party of the year, but now what will I wear? I don't have anything nearly good enough. And then hashtag, I'm not worthy. Do you see what's going on? They've managed to show everyone actually how important they are, but making them feel sorry for you at the, them at the same time. Apparently, um, appearing humble with that hashtag, I don't know how I got this invitation in the first place. So yes, saying something um, that makes you feel sorry for them is humble bragging. There you go, there's a word for you. It's an attempt to um, promote yourself, but without the appearance of boasting. But actually, it's boasting by another name, isn't it? Why do we boast? Well, boasting, humble bragging comes from that need or desire to prove ourselves to others, doesn't it? This constant inner fear of not being good enough, of not being accepted. It can constantly shape our conversations and behaviours to ensure that we're noticed and that we're not overlooked. But boasting inevitably leads to a world becoming a competitive place, doesn't it? Conversations can become places where we need to share our latest achievements or often, I think, as parents to boast about the achievements of our children wasn't Matthew's example of that brilliant. He's stolen my talk, really. But anyway, I wonder how often we catch ourselves talking about that better job or the bigger house we have or the better car, constantly comparing, unconsciously perhaps, looking for ways of proving that we're okay. It's interesting that in drawing this letter to a close, Paul brings up the theme of boasting. You might have spotted it that he's using that word boasting to clarify what he's actually been trying to say or or telling the Galatian Christians throughout the letter. Motivating those who are demanding um, circumcision from these new believers is nothing more than the need to boast, to reassure themselves that they're able to do something to be acceptable to God. And these Judaizers, they're fearful of persecution from other Jews, And so they demand that these new converts conform to the demands of the law. In effect, they're saying, I need to boast because Jesus isn't enough. And persecution was a real threat for for those who trusted Jesus in those times. And these Judaizers, these people were motivated really by fear. 
But for Paul, this uncovers a, a serious flaw in their understanding of the cross, and that's what he focuses on. So I wonder, fear, how much does that dominate the way we live? I wonder how much fear dominates the decisions that we make. I wonder if we're really honest with ourselves, how much we fear what other people think of us. It's a constant wrestle, isn't it? If we're honest, if we dig deep. I think in two ways. Firstly, in in the way that we seek approval by others by perhaps compromising our behaviour or our language so that we fit in and we don't stand out. Or perhaps in another way, by seeking the approval of others, by looking and seeming more righteous and more godly, so that we secure somehow our place in God's family. Now, if we go back to Paul, and don't forget he's writing in big, bold, capital letters. He's underlined it five times. He's got his fluorescent pen out and highlighted it. He really wants us to concentrate on this. Let's read verses 14 and 15 with that in mind. Because Paul says this, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. So Paul says, well, I'll use your language. It's my turn to boast, but I'm only going to boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul only has one place to take them. And it's the same place that he's returned to again and again through this letter, isn't it? Back to the cross of Jesus. Because it's there at the cross that we see the grace of God for us imperfect disciples. Isn't that what we've done this morning as we've worshipped? We've come back to the cross and seen again the amazing grace of God. Rather than avoiding the cross, dumbing it down, compromising it, Paul exalts it. He lifts it up. He makes much of it. In fact, he could say the cross is everything for Paul. But why? Why is it everything for Paul? Why is it worth even for Paul being persecuted for? Well, for Paul and for us as well, the cross is where Jesus died in our place. The cross is where Jesus was punished for our sin. Paul says that back in Galatians chapter 1, right at the beginning of his letter, Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. The cross. The cross is where the precious and only Son of God was separated from his Father so that we need never have to. But he was separated from his Father because our sin was laid upon him. Paul talks about that in chapter 3 of Galatians when he says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Do you know what? The cross is also the place where we're faced with the truth and the seriousness of our hopelessness, of our helpless situation that we're in. At the cross, we're faced with the truth that we're guilty and that we're unable to pay the penalty that is owed In Romans, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. We can't pay that penalty. You know, the cross tells us what we don't actually want to hear. It tells us that however hard we try, however hard we try to be good, lead a good life, be kind, help others, 
The truth is that it's the same for those who have hurt others, who've used others, who have abused others. We're all on a level playing field, that being good doesn't cut it. The cross tells us the truth, which is actually really hard to hear. Paul says in Romans, all have sinned, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. The cross also tells us that all other religions are dead ends, however devout or righteous they might be. And so the cross says, the cross, Paul says, is offensive. It's offensive because we want to boast about ourselves. We want to say how great we are and how we can do it on our own. And the cross says we can't. Paul says it's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles. And then he says, but to us who believe, it's the power of God. You know, this morning, brothers and sisters, just as we've been singing, the cross is our only hope. And unless, like Paul, we come to that point where we accept that we need a saviour, the one who is able to do what we're totally incapable of doing, we'll continue to try and impress God and others in this what feels like a relentless hamster wheel of fear and effort, fear and effort. So where does Paul land? Well, he he lands here. There's no need for him to boast anymore, not in his own accomplishments, because they're of no value to him. Now Paul boasts about the one who's turned his life upside down and inside out. He boasts in the cross. At the cross, Paul has discovered grace, completely undeserved, completely free, motivated by God's amazing love to all who choose to receive it by faith. And then he follows all of this with this incredible statement through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So fear is the result of striving to be good enough, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of fitting in. But what Paul says here is that fear has been crucified. It's been put to death. No longer has any hold over him. No longer any hold on those who boast in the cross of Jesus. What amazing freedom Paul has found. Freedom to live. Freedom from fear. The world has been crucified to him. All its demands, all its expectations, they have no hold on him anymore. They are dead. Hmm. You know, what we boast in is what gives us confidence, isn't it? So if I boast about my achievements like the boys were doing, feel more confident every time we say something good about ourselves, we've done something good. And that's our identity, isn't it? It's all about identity. We, we seek to validate our identity by boasting, whether it be a subtle name drop here or there or having a humble brag on social media. We're always trying to find ways to say we're okay, to validate ourselves. But Paul's saying here, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that because my identity is secure in Jesus Christ, my saviour. Secure because of his death on the cross and his resurrection. What amazing freedom that we have in Christ and in the cross. So if you think, I guess, of um, seeking someone's approval to get their applause, then boasting in the cross is receiving God's applause over us, rather than that human applause which never satisfied, 
Imagine God looking over us, seeing us. No longer our sin, no longer that rubbish that separates us from God, but clothed in his righteousness. And as God looks at us, he sees his son. And we are accepted, forgiven and loved because he loved me. And he gave himself for me. And that's the heart of the gospel. What a gift of grace to us. Loved, forgiven, washed clean, accepted by God. But you know, not just on that day when you first became a Christian. Not on that first day, however long ago that was, 50 years or 5 years. The gospel should be shaping our lives every single day. That's the whole thrust of Galatians. The gospel is for us today. It's not a message that we hear and respond to once and that's it. The gospel, the cross, should be right in front and center of everything we are and everything we do. Well, we began this um, series with a quote from Martin Luther, for those who can remember that far back. You know, Martin Luther loved Galatians. Um, So I thought we'd put in another one at the end, just to sort of bookend it. And this is what Martin Luther says. Christ is not only the way on which we must begin our journey, but he is also the right and the safe way that we must end. And we dare not deflect from this. Christ wants to tear and turn our hearts from all trust in anything else and pin them to himself alone. Do we do that this morning? Is that true for us this morning? Not just in the moment we come Christians, but every day after that, the gospel is our hope. It's what we cling to because we've been crucified to the world. We've been crucified to its demands and its opinions. We don't need to live by it any longer. You know, the only opinion that matters now to Paul, the only opinion that should matter now to us is God's. Because the world has no hold on us anymore. Wow, that's freeing, isn't it? (laughs) So I wonder what that means for you today. I wonder what that means for me today. That the world has no hold on me. The decisions that I make, the the ways that I choose to live that are dictated and defined by the world's standards rather than by God's standards. I wonder who or what shapes my view on my finances and the way that I use my money. Who and what shapes the way I use my time and my energy. Who and what shapes my desires for the future. My desires for myself, my desires perhaps for my children. Hard questions, aren't they? I wonder, are we able to say with Paul, because of our understanding of the cross, our whole life is impacted. Everything has changed. Are we able to say that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world? Well, Paul keeps pushing this point home in the next verse, in verse 15. Neither being circumcised as the Jews were demanding or not being circumcised, as the Gentiles might use as as a a kind of status symbol, neither of these, circumcision, non-circumcision, actually Paul says none of it, none of it matters. What counts is whether we're a new creation. And you know, boasting in Jesus, boasting in the cross, as Paul is telling us to do, is only possible when we're made new by faith in Jesus, and the work of the Spirit begins in our lives. 
Paul summed it all up in chapter 2 in that anchor verse that we had right at the beginning of this series. We'll never tire of this verse, will we? My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is the beautiful exchange that has taken place that we've been singing about this morning. My old self, that self-sufficient, boastful, prideful, rejecting God's grace self has been crucified. When I trust and accept Jesus, that he's taken my sin, my old self away, and crucified it on the cross, then I find freedom. The old self is dead. The old self has been crucified. But you know it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there, does it? Because we are recreated into a new creation. That's God's grace, isn't it? He doesn't just deal with our sin and then leave us there. No, God's grace gives us new life. No longer striving in our own efforts to, to, to please God. But we have Jesus living in us, a new creation. Now led by the Spirit, Paul says in chapter 5, we're called to walk with the Spirit, keep in step with the Holy Spirit, allow him to guide and direct us. The old self doesn't get chance to rear its ugly head again. Remember, Chris and Lawrence both helped us look at what it means to live and walk in the Spirit. The Spirit is, brings the freedom that Paul is so evidently living in, freedom from fear. But you know, the other side of that is that it brings us freedom to love. Because when we're not constantly seeking to approve ourselves or boasting in our own efforts and achievements, when we're secure in who we are and our identity isn't constantly under threat, then we're free to love, aren't we? We're free to love those around us. We're free to care for one another, to challenge one another and not be offended because we're not out to please our own identity and please our, you know, make people think better of us. We're there for each other, to love one another. We were helpfully challenged about that last week, weren't we? And then in verse 16, Paul uses that interesting phrase, the true Israel of God. I think Paul, again here, is just getting his marker pen out, an even thicker one, and making an even deeper line underneath. He wants us to understand that God's grace is the only option we have. And he's underlying it here by saying, the true Israel... Whether Jew or Gentile are those who've put their faith in Jesus alone. There is no other way. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. He just says it over and over again with a bigger and bigger marker pen. And this is the rule that Paul longs for everyone to find and follow. Not a religion based on uh, stifling rules and regulations on effort and human achievement, but rather the rule of love. Love that's based on the death of God's one and only Son ultimate act of love towards us freedom from guilt freedom from sin freedom from constantly locking up that door of of other people's affirmation and freedom to live in the knowledge that we are loved and then Paul reminds us as he closes of his scars in verse 17 you know if we choose today to follow Jesus wholeheartedly if we choose to boast in nothing but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, if we choose to follow him obediently and uncompromisingly, there may well be cost. Because the gospel offends some people, 
and it's despised by others. The reality is we may well not face persecution in the way that Paul did in this country. Who knows? Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing persecution around the world today. But you know, if we boast in the cross of Jesus Christ, there will be a cost. And I wonder what scars I'm willing to have. I wonder what scars you're willing to have as we choose to live out this gospel of grace. Well, we've come to the end of Galatians. We've been using a phrase uh, throughout our weeks in Galatians, grace, essential gift for imperfect disciples. Paul, as much as anyone, was all too aware of his failings. He was aware of his sin. He was aware that he was an imperfect disciple. Isn't that encouraging for us as we wrestle with being imperfect disciples? Yet what we've discovered, I hope, as we've gone through Galatians, is that by keeping the message of the cross, the gospel, right at the center of his life, Paul did, having complete and utter confidence in the gospel and its message of grace, he was able to live confidently, trusting in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. I wonder if we can do that too. I wonder if we, like Paul, have discovered that if we keep the cross central, if we keep the gospel right at the center of our lives, we can have complete and utter confidence in this gospel. It's a message of grace, isn't it? If we trust in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So we have an invitation, don't we, as we come to the end of this series, to discover and live in the grace of God. To be confident in the gospel alone, the gospel alone to save us and to boast in that cross. I want to finish with a um, quote from Timothy Keller, who's a a minister of the gospel, um, writer. And he says this, and I found it really challenging. The gospel changes what I fundamentally boast in. It changes the whole basis for my identity. Therefore, nothing in the whole world has any power over me. I am free at last to enjoy the world, for I do not need the world. I feel neither inferior to anyone nor superior to anyone, and I am being made all over into someone and something entirely new. Isn't that brilliant? Oh, if we could live in the truth of that. Therefore, nothing in the whole world has any power over me. Is that your desire this morning? that the world would have no power over you. To be able to say, I don't need the world. I don't need the world's human approval. That I don't judge myself by anyone else. I'm not inferior or superior. I know I am loved. My identity is secure in Christ. Paul has really challenged us, hasn't he? And what it all boils down to is the grace of God. We don't deserve to be able to boast in the cross. But God has invited us into his grace and into his love. Do we take that step? Do we find our identity and our security in him? Are we going to follow him, keep the gospel central to our lives? I invite the 
band up to pray for us and then we're going to sing a beautiful hymn in response that talks as we begin singing about how deep the Father's love for us is and then challenges us not to boast in anything, not in gifts, not power, no wisdom, but to boast in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.